Welcome to the Geek Cheeky Podcast, where time flies like an arrow, fruit flies like a banana. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. <laughs> That's such a bad pun, and I love it so much. I'm a dad. I get away with it. It's it's culturally it's acceptable now. <laughs> anyway. It's true. We're, I'm just a jerk if I say it. You're okay. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Today, we're talking about gaming as we age, hence the time quote. Um, I am going to put you on the spot first, because... You picked this one out of our topic ideas, and it's great. I mean, it, I, I love our talking points, and I'm excited to talk about it, but why did you pick it? I have been thinking a lot about this lately because uh, especially with Overwatch coming out and how much I like it, but I didn't expect to like it, I think a lot of it has come for me in I like games where I get to be a team player now, where I used to be the one who would go against everybody. I used to be a griefer in MMOs that my entire career, my entire MMO career started because I liked causing other people as much trouble as possible. And now when I saw this in our ideas, I started thinking about Overwatch and how I'm the one who wants everybody to band together, that I'm the one doing everything I can to make everyone not run in alone and just try to cause problems. I don't want to troll people anymore. And so that really made me think about how I've how I've honestly grown up as a gamer as much as I have as a person. Yeah, I noticed it not so much. Well, Overwatch, we'll talk about that because that's definitely on topic. And I'm noticing it with that, too. I noticed it a little bit earlier, um, probably when I started moving from like real time strategy games to turn based strategy games. I oh, used okay. to love real time strategy games like I played, you know, Warcraft three. Well, well, all the way back to like Warcraft two in the original, which we talked about on a different episode. But like right. I've, I've always liked real time strategy games. Um, I love Starcraft two right when it came out. And then I had kids not too long after that. And so that pulls you away from gaming time as well. And these days, like if a real time strategy game comes out, I might pick it up for the single player, but there's no way that I'm ever going to get like competitive level with it again. Um, I would much rather play a turn based game. And that's probably why I play more like Hearthstone now. You know, it's it's turn based right. strategy in a way it's in a card game format, but still it's strategy and it's turn based. I like that. And then I also find like. I'm steering more and more away from twitchy games because I just don't yes. have the time to get good at them like I used to. And I don't know if it's time to get good at them or actual physical dexterity to be good at them. And I've wondered this as I've gotten older because I used to be really, really good at platform games and I'm still good at them. I'm still OK, but like I will start playing Super Meat Boy or something like that, that when I was younger, I, and I love Super Meat Boy. Don't get me wrong. That is definitely the kind of game that I love right now. But it's so hard that I mean, I know it's made to be hard, but there are things on there that I'm not sure if my fingers can move fast enough to do it. And I wonder if 14 year old me would have been able to do it, that if it's not so much the sitting and trying and practicing over and over, but if it's the actual manual physical dexterity of my hands being able to do it. Yeah, I think it's probably both. Um, I think at the age we are, it's less of the physical and more of the time. And then as we get older, it'll probably shift back the other way, especially if we retire True. someday. When I was a teenager, I could sit down and play a game for like eight or 12 hours every day, especially, mm -hmm. you know, in the summer or on the weekend. Um, even on school days, you know, I would get in eight hours of gaming on a school night and go yes. to bed late and wake up early and whatever the next day at school. And I just can't do that. Like, I don't have the time, you know, and I was thinking about this when the first week that Overwatch was out, 
I saw that somebody had hit level 100 and I had mm-hmm. thought that I was playing a lot that week because it was like the only thing I was doing with my free time. And I was around level yeah. like 30, maybe. I was the same way with that. That for me, I thought I was I was playing a whole lot on Overwatch. Jennifer had even mentioned it to me. Jennifer had had told me because I've had a history of doing the same thing that you mentioned of just sitting for days and days of or hours and hours rather of gaming and doing that for days on end. And she was like, you need to make sure, you know, you're playing this game a lot that you need to make sure that you keep it under control, which is something I've asked her to do in the past. And I looked at my game time played. I'd only played seven hours over the first week. And I'm off during the summer. I'm off work right now. And I still only put in seven hours when she said that. And it was astonishing to me that that felt like a full, rich gaming experience. I I run into the thing, too, with like, I mean, with my family, with the age my kids are, um, the longest amount of time that I will get uninterrupted is like if my kids are actually asleep on time when they're supposed to be, which doesn't happen most of the time, if that happens and my <laughs> wife goes out with friends at night, I might get two or three uninterrupted hours, like maximum. Right. And, you know, that's maybe once every couple weeks, like every two or three weeks. Most of the time when I'm gaming, I know I'm going to get interrupted probably every 20 to 40 minutes with something. You know, someone's going to need something. A kid will need something or... You know, I pull out a headphone and talk to my wife like that's I guess that's the interruption from gaming, but it's one that I like because I'd rather talk to my wife at night, you know, and interact and, you know, be together and discuss things. So that's okay. Like, I'm not mad about it, but it's just the way that my life is now. I don't sit down for eight hours and do one thing without getting interrupted, except for when I like lock myself away to work during the day in my office. And that was something I've noticed with myself as well, is that the desire to play games for that long has gone away. That as my interests have changed from solely being gaming, that as you know, as we're kids, I mean, that's what we do. If you're a gamer, you play every game that comes out. You rent a new game, you buy a new game, especially for us where we could go to the video store when there were video stores and rent games. It was fantastic. And that is what you did. I wasn't a sports player. I didn't do a whole lot of other stuff. I was either reading. I watched some TV, but I was playing games. That was the hobby that I chose to to invest my time in. And now I have so many other things I would rather spend my free time on. And I don't even want to say rather, but that I need to split my free time with. That I need to go running, not because it's good for me, but because I like doing it. And so gaming has to take a side seat to at least some of that. It has to hop in the sidecar and go at least along as much as it can. I think some of that is just like it happens with maturity, that you learn how to balance your life better. Um, Like I talk about being you know used to sit down as a teenager and play for eight hours straight like that right. wasn't good like looking back on no. it like i i mean i enjoyed it i have good memories of it but really from the outside now looking back like that probably wasn't a good use of my time i probably should have taken breaks you know and gotten out and done more or gone and hang out with friends well a lot of the time i was hanging out with friends while i was playing the game but right like you know probably eight hours straight on a game is not a healthy decision and that's something that I've thought about. I, I actually quit playing World of Warcraft at right around the 10-year mark. That 
in 2004 when it came out i'd been in one of the betas got through and and when it launched it it basically consumed my life like so many other people's and i had a subscription most of those there were a few months i didn't but most of the 10 years between 2004 and 2014 i had a an active subscription of that game and i would play it i across the characters that i've played i have stopped ever looking at the slash played time because the couple of times that I did that as I as the years went up I realized exactly how much time I'd invested in it that that these days because it calculates them in days and weeks and months not hours so I would see this and it actually made me sad that in 2004 I was like heck yeah I've spent all this time doing this and my warlock is awesome (laughs) and then I look at it in 2014 and I'm like I am 31 years old and I have spent over the last 10 years I've spent eight or nine months, maybe two years of my life actively sitting in one place. And while I have social aspect, there's the social aspect of it, and I have friends because of it, like actual friends, I wonder what that if that time could have been better spent. And I think that's part of the maturity in realizing that you can balance it. Whereas when you're younger, when you're 21 and WoW comes out, you live in Azeroth. I think a lot of it just comes with maturity. Like, like you said, you know, looking back on it, like, you know, I, I have great memories of it. Like I don't regret mm-hmm. my time gaming, but it's just from that like outside adult perspective, you look back and you're like, mm, mm-hmm. maybe that wasn't the best use of my time. But that's starting to get into like, Uh, We kind of wrote down some of the games that we used to play that we don't play now, which is what you were starting to get to. Do you want to keep going? Because you started already? Sure. Go right ahead. Well, for me, actually, a lot of them were platformer games that I don't play a lot anymore because I tend to get way frustrated at them now because I don't have the time and I don't I don't. I don't set aside the time. Let me put it that way. I have the time because I do other things. I don't set aside the time to dedicate to be very good at them. I don't play things like Mario anymore. As much as I love them, they are fantastic. Any kind of platformer game I don't do. I actually don't play nearly as many of the Japanese RPGs, JRPGs. I don't play them very often anymore because of the extensive time commitment that comes from them. I really, really, really want to replay through Final Fantasy VI and IX right now. But the idea of spending that much time and playing Bravely Default the same way, I want to do it. I, I, I do But the idea of spending 30, 40, 50 hours or more in a game kind of makes me sad right now. Sad for me because I don't I I keep looking at the grass is always greener. Like what else could I be doing? What other games could I be playing? I could get through two or three games in the time that I got through this one. And wouldn't that be better? Two is always better than one. And I get really antsy about it and maybe my anxiety and i know that but that's how i view gaming now it's like i could in, have a finite amount of hours that i can i can invest and i want to spread that out i want to experience as much as i can instead of mastering one thing like i used to so mario world of warcraft final fantasy games jrpgs that i just adore i haven't been able to make myself go back to that's interesting because like the main ones you're picking out here are not ones we have crossover on on this topic because I I still keep JRPGs in my life. Like Final Fantasy is one of my favorite series ever. The other top series in my life is Mario platformers. Ah. So they are they're like my two favorite video game series, Final Fantasy and Mario platformers. And I play like every one that comes out, essentially. So I make sure to make time for those because they're important to me. But right. 
um for me it's more like mmos like you mentioned i'm on the same place there i haven't really played an mmo since i had kids for the most part i did take like a a couple months and i dove into final fantasy 14 because i was doing a series playthrough i played through every mainline final fantasy game in order and i finished with final fantasy 14 i'm still amazed at that by the way just so you know i'm still amazed and impressed because some people do star wars marathons to do a final fantasy marathon that is true dedication as a fan (laughs) well i like them a lot and like i i realized that i had never played a lot of the earlier ones so i wanted to go back and actually see the evolution of the series in order and then eventually i got to the point where i hit um like well i think of it as the golden age but it's probably just because that's where i picked up the series was with playstation so like final fantasy 7 and above were the ones i had played before and then i had kind of dabbled with the ones that were earlier than that but that was really fun i want to do a final fantasy podcast someday but all of that to say final fantasy is still like I, i will make time for that i'll make time for a good jrpg but i also won't waste my time on it i will almost always use a guide to figure out the fastest or most oh. efficient or most game-breaking way to play through it so I can experience it without having the huge cost of time. Like, I see that you have written down here games that, like, take 40 to 70 hours, and JRPGs yeah. often fall into that category. Most of the Final Fantasy games I beat in 20 to 25 hours. And part of that is pride on my part that, yes, you can do that, but following a guide is something I've been principled against since I was around 16 years old, since I think it was Final Fantasy VIII was the last one I used a guide on, and I was the last game in general I used a guide on, and... I only look things up if I am to the point where the game is no longer fun. That is my criteria for that. That if I'm sitting here beating my head against the wall and having a good time doing it, great. Let's do this. Let's fight this boss over and over again. Let us let us just do whatever it takes to have fun doing this. The moment the game becomes unfun for me, then I start looking stuff up on the internet or using a guide that way. And for me to start out following a guide step by step takes the fun out of the game for me. That there's, I love just experiencing the game and exploring things and being a part of the narrative and immersed in it. That using a guide is something that I was I, I principled myself against personally, but I can totally see how if I want to actually get through these games, I should do that. So JRPGs are like the exception I make for this. I don't really use guides in any other game unless I'm completely and utterly stuck. Then I'll you know take a look for the one part I need to get over. But JRPGs, because you can wander forever and some of them have right. like very, very poor player messaging for where to go next or what to do <laughs> next, I basically yes. use a guide to tell me what's the next thing. You know, I won't sit there and read every single line of a guide and do exactly what it tells me to do because that takes all the fun out of it. But every time I beat a dungeon or a major boss or I finish what I needed to do in a town, I'm obviously done with it. I will look at the guide and see what's next and how do I get there as fast as possible. That's how I got through these games quickly. So JRPGs are kind of an exception. But like I said, um, MMOs, I don't really play anymore. Um, I barely touch them at all since I had kids. The other games for me are like Counter-Strike. I used to play a ton of Counter-Strike in middle school into the start of high school. I had a bunch of friends that played Counter-Strike also, and 
I had friends who were in like, I don't even remember what the leagues were or the ratings were, but they were like close to those pro level players. You know, they would play with some of the pro level players because they had enough time and dedication. And I played with those guys a lot. So I got really good at Counter-Strike. I was never at that level, but, you know, I got really good at it because I played all the time and I had the time to dedicate. And then, you know, StarCraft, right. StarCraft 2, like the games that take, you know, in StarCraft 2 terms, APM, actions per minute, you know, the okay. pro level. I was wondering what that was. I was going to ask. <laughs> so the pro level players talk about APM where you have to have hundreds and hundreds of APM, right? Like, I don't remember how many, but they do measure actions per minute and see how fast you're doing everything. And I just, that's just one of those things I just can't dedicate the time and Mm-mm. energy to learn anymore, you know? And then the other things are like MOBAs and twitchy shooters. And I mean, MMOs will fall into yeah. this category too, but it's basically games where people rely on me to like pull my own weight. And it's yeah. because I have kids now, because I could get interrupted at any point unless I am 100% positive that they are all the way down and sleeping and they're not going to wake up. I could get interrupted at the drop of a hat and have to step away mid-game. And if you're in a MOBA, you know, in like, a 40 minute game with four other players and you just drop like I, I hate feeling like I'm letting them down. So I just don't yes. even play. That's actually something that I do in games in general, games like Overwatch or a MOBA or anything like this. MMOs. If someone asks me if they want to group up, I look at how much time I'd set aside to play the game and I will decline an invite even for a single game. It, let's say with Overwatch, since it's you know the most recent, but it's for a dungeon in World of Warcraft or anything as well. If I only have time for one and I can't continue chaining with them because that's what I know they're going to want to do, I'll very rarely accept a group invite for a single game because I don't want to be the guy who goes in, plays one, and then has to bail because something comes up. That I'm like, I'm only playing one game. In the middle of the day, I'll be working on podcast stuff or coding stuff, and I'll hop on Overwatch, and someone will invite me to a group, and I'm like, nah, I'm going to decline this time. I'm only in this one game, and then I'm going to leave, because I know that, because I've already started it, that I don't have the time set aside to get out of this game or finish this game and then move into another one to play with somebody else. That's I don't want to let people down from the get-go like that. I won't even jump in. Like I'll play solo and drop with somebody, which may go back to me being a griefer in World of, or in Ultima Online back in the day where I know there are people on the other end of that computer, but I don't care about them like I do the people who are on my friends list, let's say. I still think it's hilarious that you were a griefer. Like, that's not you at all. In the, in the time I've known you, that's so not your personality. I used to I used to be really bad about this. I was I would go out of my way to to make sure that I knew that the other person on the end of that computer was having a worse day than they did when they logged into the game. That that was my goal to make sure that I ruined another human being's actual day through a video game. I had people who wouldn't legitimately trade with me. I was on Lake Superior on Ultima Online, and I had people who would not trade with me when I was actually trying to trade legitimate items because they knew I was a scammer. But then I would, I mean, we were running things like, I can't even remember the actual names, where it's like these shills for people where we had, I had my buddies come in and gate in and actually act as proxies when we had a, a lottery vendor where we would lie to people. We wouldn't lie to people. We would do, we have these power scrolls that give you plus 15 majory or something on there. 
and that, that there's one on here, and we figured out this whole system, and they're like, I didn't get this one, but I still got this plus 10 archery scroll coming back through the gate, and people are like, oh my goodness, there's real things on that vendor. So they run through and give us all of their money, or we just go as a crew and just kill all of the miners and, and take all of their ore and then make ourselves magic weapons, that we would do anything. I used I stole houses from people. Wow. I was a real estate slumlord in Ultima Online. I would scam people out of their houses and then go put them up on eBay. <laughs> but you're not like that at all now. This is I mean this is But the I'm not like right? that at all. In gaming. This is the difference. Where as I as I've gone now, I wanted to murder people and steal their houses was my entire gaming motivation when I was 18 years old. And now all I want to do is work as a group and support the other people. I don't even like being the tank that much or or the damage dealer because I want to be the support or utility characters in something to be able to make sure that other people are performing well. I want to be the bard. I want to be the Symmetra. I want to be I'm the I either play a druid or a disciplined priest and I I pick classes to help other people as much as I can now. That is my personality now in gaming. And it was absolutely not when I was when I was younger. I think this kind of ties into I mean, we were talking about this the other day and like competition just isn't as interesting as it used to be. Like I feel oh, like it's not like competition against other real people online. It used to be a driving thing as a teenager, like to get better and prove you're better than other people. And I don't have yeah. that drive at all now, like at all. I would much rather play co-op, but you know, we're like we're playing overwatch and you know, there are people who get like mad when you're losing or you use a hero that you're trying to learn and they're like, Oh, uh-huh. you suck with them. Why are you playing them? You know, just quit. Like there are people yep. who are mean online. And I'm like, you know, I probably would have been like that in this game. If I were, you know, way younger, like when I was a teenager and I just, I, I don't guarantee I would have been, yeah, and I don't care now. Like I'm I'm legitimately in it to have fun. Just kind of play the game and enjoy it for what it is. Part of it is probably also the the reward structure set up in a game. Um there used to be games with a lot less reward structure. It was all about the competition, like Counter-Strike. You know, when I played that, you weren't going to unlock anything. You didn't get experience. There weren't actual levels. Like, it sounds weird because every game right. has those RPG mechanics now. You can gain levels. You can unlock items. You can get new cosmetic gear. But that didn't used to exist. Now that exists. And so the reward structures are interesting because this is why I don't play Hearthstone as much as I could be playing it. Hearthstone is set up with daily quests. You have three daily quests at a time if you let them build up. Almost all of the daily quests are win a game as this hero almost all of them win three games with this hero win five games with this hero something like that it's about winning you have to win to get the reward right yeah with overwatch and with heroes of the storm the incentive is to play the game for heroes of the storm it's play around with this type of character It's not win around with this type of character. It's play around with this type of character. And And it even counts on Heroes of the Storm, I found out. If you disconnect from a game by accident and log back in, that counts as one of your games. I completed daily quests when I didn't think I was going to because playing it is actually just going in and literally playing in that game, not even completing it. Yeah, and I I love that. And like that's one of the reasons I really really like Overwatch right now because 
you get experience and then every time you get whatever x amount of experience you level up yep. and every level you get a loot box which gives you random you know they're all, they're all cosmetic like none of them affect gameplay they're all just cosmetic goodies and the bulk of your experience points come from time played in the game you get a little bit of a bonus if you win but it's like little you know right for the most part the vast majority of your experience comes from just time in the game, which just encourages you to play more. Like, you don't have to win to advance. And that makes a huge difference in my willingness to play the game. If it Hearthstone does. switched over their daily quest to be play three games as this class, play five games as that class, I would play so much more of it. That's one of the reasons that I moved away from Hearthstone is because I wasn't playing the Flavor of the Month decks, that that I wasn't going to play the two or three decks that were put together to completely do- dominate everybody. I played decks that I had fun with that had decent win win rates but for the most part I wasn't getting any rewards I would get frustrated because my gaming time I needed to save up gold and I couldn't do it because I couldn't get that last win in so I just gave up I didn't want to play six games on a losing streak and not be able to complete my daily quest before I went to bed yeah so it's interesting to see just like how developers can I mean, it's just these small changes to the way that they structure their incentive system, and it can make a huge difference for an adult gamer's willingness to keep playing that game over time. Uh, one thing, going back to where you were talking about the using a guide, the idea of incentives and using a guide that completing the game at that point was the incentive. You know, experiencing that story is the incentive for the JRPGs, let's say. Yeah, exactly. What do you, how do you feel about difficulty levels? Because it took a long time Crank for me. Down. Crank it down. Go down to easy. Go down to casual. I do that all the time now. And I enjoy my gaming so much more because of it. Not in every yes. game. But in a lot of games, I will crank it down to, you know, sometimes they even have like a story experience mode, which is like Uh lower than casual. I've played games on that and had a fantastic time. Yes, because the fun is from playing the game, not being punished by the game. The only game in recent memory that I can think of that I turned the difficulty up on was actually Disney Infinity. Leveling up characters on it. And you get to a certain point where on medium or easy, it really is just button mashing. And if you put it on hard or maybe there's an extreme at this point, I can't remember, whatever the couple of higher ones are, you act, you have to think about what blocking and moving around a whole lot more where it wasn't and there's not a penalty for death so much as you replace your figure on the stand or if you're in a toy box you automatically respawn where it was more fun that way because I wasn't being punished and I think for me I will crank it down on difficulty if I'm being punished for loss yeah for me it's more about being able to do the critical path without getting interrupted so right. I won't always do it if the game is about the gameplay I will leave the difficulty usually on whatever like the normal setting is, you know, Mm -hmm. because that's usually what the developer intended. Right. I start on normal. Yeah. So for games like Fire Emblem, like I love the last couple Fire Emblem games because they added a few nice things for like people like me who want to play through and not be punished. So games like Fire Emblem 
like that that are more about the gameplay like the strategy level i'll try to leave those at normal and play them the way that they're intended you know because it's more about the gameplay games that are more about telling a story and getting through a narrative experience those ones i will mess with i will either crank them down to easy or yeah i'm trying to think the re- the most recent one i did was the witcher and okay for the witch well for the witcher 3 um, I had never really gotten into the other two because I didn't like the combat. And everyone told me that The Witcher 3 was amazing for story and world building. So I wanted to play it for that, but I did not want to deal with the combat, especially after playing for like the first hour or two normally and actually seeing what the combat had to offer. So what I did is I went in and like enabled console commands and I just cranked my level up to the absolute maximum. And I played through the entire oh. game that way. And I had a fantastic time with it. I loved it. Because you experienced the part of the game that you enjoyed, you played a game, you didn't fight against a computer. Yeah, I didn't, I basically didn't have to deal with the combat. Like every combat encounter, I could just fly through, no problem. And I got to enjoy the game for the narrative and the world building and the exploration and all the parts that I wanted without having to worry about this combat that I just didn't enjoy. That was what happened to me in the first game I ever recognized myself doing that was the original Mass Effect because I chose my class poorly. I chose a psionicist, I believe is what it was called, where Uh all you have is a pistol and you have a bunch of psionic powers like singularity and black holes and gravity power. And I was terrible at this. It is hard to play when you're bad at shooters anyway with no aim, and those take a lot of skill to use. I didn't really understand what I was doing at the time. I cranked it down on easy, and it was much better. If I'd, I may not have had to on something else, but I could not get through certain areas of that game in combat as that class. Yeah, man. Pick Soldier all the way. I played through Soldier all the yeah. way on Mass Effect, and it was fine. But yeah, no, I know. If you pick the wrong class, especially in Mass Effect 1, it can be very, very difficult. I was in college, and that one of my friends, Bob, I love Bob. Bob is the most hardcore gamer I, I may have ever met in terms of he will not, or at least he wouldn't. I don't know if he has uh, lately or not, but he would not crank down the difficulty on anything he had to get the achievements he had to do it the the way that it proved that he was the better gamer silent hill 3 is wonderful it's a great game on the ps2 and it has difficulty settings that go all the way up to extreme 10 and you have to unlock them by beating each successive difficulty level so you can start at medium or normal move up to hard then move up to extreme Then you have Extreme 2, Extreme 3, all the way up through 10. And you get a star rating at the end of this game. It's affected by things like time, how long it takes you to get through the game, and how many times you save during this. And once you get to Extreme, you have no extra lives or continues. Once you die, you die. It's basically permadeath on the Extreme difficulties. Bob would not save his game because it affected his his save his star rating at the end and so we sat and we watched him play through say extreme nine or extreme 10 we watched hours of him doing this it was fantastic but i remember just screaming when he had a bad minute and got killed near the end of the game and since he didn't save it at all He had to go restart the entire game back, which was around five or six hours, I think, at that point. Maybe it was two or three. I don't 
I have no idea. But whatever gameplay he had put in to get to the next difficulty level was completely wiped out because of chasing the star rating and achievements. And at the time, I thought that was awesome. I still kind of do think that's awesome, that kind of dedication. But I look at it now and I'm like, I could not do that. That is something that I would never be able to do to myself is completely and totally invest in simply being better at that game than actually having fun with it. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of like why the Dark Souls games don't appeal to me. I mean, it's not right. necessarily permadeath. I, maybe a better example is going back to Fire Emblem. I, I didn't play the early Fire Emblem games because they have permadeath for all your characters, and that's default, and there's no way around it. The first, I did not know that. Yeah, it's brutal. The first Fire Emblem for 3DS, Fire Emblem Awakening, is the first time they put in an option to not have permadeath, and that's when I got oh into my. it. And one thing I wanted to talk about uh, regarding the idea of competition here is that playing Overwatch the last couple of weeks has made me realize how little I care about winning. That we were talking about so many people getting upset about it, and I really don't care. I do not care if I lose. I get frustrated at individual kills, but I don't care if I win or lose that game because it's just fun to play. There will have been moments during that game that I really and truly enjoyed myself. There has rarely been a game that I just thought was just like the entire time. Yeah, for me, the only time I notice now is if it's if we've gone on like a 15 or 20 game losing streak, which never happens at that point, I might throw in the towel and be like, you know, I might be done for the night. But generally, if someone's like, oh, man, we've lost the last five games in a row. I'm like, oh, really? I legitimately did not notice that. Nope. And the only thing that I've even noticed about that is whenever it is a close game and I lose, where you can see the amount of space that there is to move the payload or stop the payload, and it's in about the one to three zone, then I I don't care about winning. But when I lose or win, that's when I either celebrate or go, oh, no, kind of thing. Yeah, like I had a game the other day where we had legitimately more than five minutes of overtime capturing it was one of those capture and hold maps where the point can go back and forth between two teams it was tied up we had both won one game this was the last game of the series and we kept trading the point back and forth in overtime for over five minutes it was crazy but yeah I, i know what you feel that's when you either are celebrating or you're like no why yeah but it's still then you just move on to the next game Exactly. I start up the next game regardless, or maybe I go to the bathroom and stand up and stretch my hands out and my arms out a little bit, but I'm not rage quitting if I lose. I don't throw my my mouse into my monitor and swear off the game. I just don't right. care about winning or losing at this point. Yeah. So we talked about kind of a lot of what's changed from being a teenager to now, but I want to talk about more of like, like what we do play now. We kind of mentioned this, but like I really like co-op now. I play a ton of co-op games, and I I wish there were more of them in video games. It's more of a board gaming thing for me. Um, Pandemic Legacy is probably the greatest board game I've ever played. It's entirely a co-op game. You play through a fictional year, and like events happen and change the game dynamically as you go along throughout the year. So it starts out as kind of a basic pandemic game, and then by the end of your first game, it's already different, and by the end of the year... It's so completely its own like campaign and story that's happened to you and your group. It's amazing. I've 
I've never played Pandemic or any of those, but that sounds really cool. Yeah, we should talk about board games someday and just like board games the whole podcast. But so like there are other ones like um, there's a deck builder that's cooperative that's a uh, Marvel themed called Legendary. Okay. That one is really fun co-op. There's a Lord of the Rings LCG, which if you don't know what an LCG is, I can talk about it more in depth when we do do a board game podcast. But an LCG is a living card game as compared to a collectible card game. Basically, every expansion or pack you buy for a living card game, you know exactly the cards that are in it, and you only have to buy it once. Like, you're not going out buying booster packs trying to get the last cards and complete your collection. So LCGs are cool. The Lord of the Rings LCG is totally a co-op game it's super fun now i've played the lord of the rings when austin has it my co-author he has it and it is great we started playing the lcg of netrunner where it's competitive against one another and then he bought the lord of the rings lcg that's cooperative and it was really interesting to me just to see that was my first experience at playing a co-op card game working at these goals and it was really cool yeah they're super fun co-op board games are fantastic and like i wish it would bleed over to video games a little bit more but I, right. I think we'll get there i mean i've seen more of it recently i think given time and like just developers getting older like we are i think there's going to be more draw towards co-op instead of all of this competitive all the time uh, the un- the only other like main co-op thing i wanted to draw attention to is tabletop rpgs and i kind of wanted to ask you about it because i haven't played a whole lot of them but i do oh. like listening into dungeons and dragons podcasts and Dungeons and Dragons live events and other tabletop RPGs because they are essentially co-op storytelling. You know, you're not really fighting against the DM. You're working with the DM to tell a story, and I find that fascinating. That is, it is lovely and wonderful to do. I love, I love tabletop RPGs. Although at the time when I played the most of them, I was in my griefer phase. And there was one particular time when we were playing Dungeons and Dragons, one of my friends was trying to rob me from a set of uh, gem pouch that I had. He was trying to like pickpocket the gems out of my my bag and he critically failed on it or he got it he failed his role i don't know if it was critically failed and the dm told me that you know you guys uh you find his hand standing like stuck in your in your pouch uh what do you get you grab it and what do you do uh, or you what do you do and so i grabbed his arm and i reached into my pocket we were also at this point sneaking around some like demon mastiffs or something i can't remember what they were they were in uh, D 3.0 and I reached in. For some reason, I had a dog whistle in my pack. So I told him that if he didn't let go, I was going to blow the whistle and, and call all over those demon dogs. And he didn't let go. So I blew the whistle and almost got our entire party killed because he wouldn't not steal my, my shinies. That's where I would still take it to ruin someone else's day, even when we're supposed to be working together for the same quest. Yeah, that does not sound like the games that I've listened to, most of them are very much like working together to tell an interesting story. Yep. Uh, that could be fun someday to like do a dedicated campaign and turn it into a podcast or a video series or something. That's kind of on my list of something I might want to try eventually. Um, that would be super cool. Yeah, I just did my first DMing ever like uh, a month or two ago for my kids. I kind of found Oh, home- yeah. Yeah, I showed you a little bit about this. I found like a kind of a homebrew system for kids who are like, you know, five to 10. My kids are, well, my daughter's right in that range, but my son is younger than that. So I kind of toned it down even further and made my own homebrew system out of it. And I just used it 
to get them to explore and tell a story. And that was really, really fun for me. So that was kind of my first taste of DMing. And I was like, this might be something I want to try as a side project in the future. That would be a wonderful idea. Oh, if you had a podcast with your kids doing that, that would be wonderful to listen to. They'd have to be older, but that that might be in the cards someday. That could be cool. I guess I did want to talk about like just gaming as a parent too because that's right. that's been a big swing for me over the last you know from 10 years ago to now being a parent a lot of my gaming has moved from long sessions into short bursts which is kind of just part of being an adult too we already talked about that yes. you know not having marathon sessions anymore but even less so you know like i said i will get interrupted probably every 20 to 40 minutes that's that's very regular no matter what i'm doing throughout the day unless I'm locked in my room doing work in my office. Besides that, like I'm going to get interrupted. So it's one of those things where you have to start learning to live with it and not fight it or be upset about it. Basically, games with like a quick save or a sleep mode become key. And that's how I beat like the Final Fantasy series. I played all of those older games on iOS, on the mobile version, because they all have quick save. And I can just hit two buttons, have a quick save, and then like go help my kid or put it down and go help my wife with something. Like that was important to me. That's also probably why my 3DS is my most played console. Like we talked about Nintendo last week. Yeah. Because 3DS has a sleep mode. I literally just close the clamshell of it and it's asleep right where I left off. So I can close it and then go help a kid. And then whenever I get back to it, if it's five minutes later, if it's five hours later, if it's five days later, it's still there in the same state. You know, and it doesn't matter whether whatever you were doing finished at that point, it could be in the middle of an animation or a cutscene, and it is going to resume immediately. That has been wonderful to be able to have my 2DS somewhere at the doctor's office at slow times at work or anything like this, where I had a couple of minutes. I knew I was going to have more than five minutes of time. I was like, I need some me time and somebody needed something. Knock on the door. It was my turn at, at the queue or whatever click the button and no matter what i'm done you don't have to be like ah crud i like with hearthstone i've lost games because of trying to play them when i'm out and i just had to turn it off there was nothing i could do yeah yeah i totally get that and like like i said there are some good mobile games that have been like ported to mobile like all of the final fantasy games are fantastic i played a couple dragon quest games on there games that i've spent you know 20 to 30 hours with over the course of i don't know how long but in like five to ten minute bursts because that's what fits with my lifestyle very easily right now yeah it's also what makes it harder to do things like well overwatch is pretty good because overwatch rounds are usually like 15 minutes sometimes less sometimes a little bit more Mm -hmm. but like even heroes of the storm is usually 20 to 30 minutes and that becomes that becomes a little bit too long because i'll usually get interrupted it's very rare to play an entire round of that without getting interrupted it's one of these things where my daughter now is smart enough and she gets gaming enough and she's old enough she will ask me dad does this game pause and (laughs) like when when your kid can ask you that like they know what's going on they know where your attention is right so i try not to play overwatch if they need me or play like you know online games that are multiplayer Mm -hmm. where i can't just drop out of it and at the end of the day if they do need me i will just drop out of it but right. she's she's also old enough now that 
if she needs something, it's usually not I'm screaming in pain and I need something. You have to drop everything. It's usually, <laughs> hey, I need something. Can I talk to you about this? And she'll say, Dad, does this game pause? And it'll be like, no. She's like, can I sit and watch you till you finish this round? Yes. Like, that's, that's that's usually how it goes with her these days. With my son, it's like, I need something. And I'm like, okay. And I drop whatever I'm doing. Yeah. But... But yeah, that, that those... will not be the case for, for much longer, hopefully. Right. It's one of those things that comes with age for them. And it's like yeah. she knows that if she needs me, I will always drop what I'm doing. But right. it's also cool because she gets into the games that I'm into. She'll, like, watch Overwatch. And she has a favorite character now. It's D.Va. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, she'll be like, can you switch to D.Va at least? And I'll be like, yeah, sure, <laughs> I'll switch to D.Va for you. Uh, things like that that are really, really fun yep. with her. But yeah, I mean, it's... even if there are already three divas on the team, which I've seen today, uh, you'll you switch to the many. fourth. I don't think you can. No, no. Diva is a good character. <laughs> it's fun. But yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely different gaming as a parent. I mean, even when she was little, you know, like if my wife was sleeping, I, I remember the first game I played after she was born was uh, Halo Reach. And yeah. I just remember her as like a tiny, tiny baby. I would sit on our couch uh, cross-legged and put her in my lap and Aww. she'd just sleep because like if you don't know if you've never had a newborn before newborns basically just sleep all the time and then every once in a while they need your attention for like five minutes and then they go back to sleep and it's usually because they just need to eat <laughs> maybe need a diaper they sleep like 18 hours a day seriously like they you just set them down and they stay wherever they are so i would put her in my lap and then I would like put my arms around her and grab the controller and I played Halo Reach. That's how I beat all of Halo Reach was with my daughter in my lap when she was like a newborn. That is that that is that is freaking lovely. That's awesome. Well, thank you. It, But I mean, it's like you can be a parent and be a gamer. You just have to switch it. You know, it things. Yeah, things change, but it's OK. And I mean, that's why I played through like all the Final Fantasy games on my phone, just because I can pick it up and put it down so easily. Mm -hmm. Not all of them, but I played one through six when I was doing my playthrough. I played all of those on my phone and it was a perfect fit. I loved that. And for for me, a lot of stuff that that you hit on exactly what I was thinking about with games that I still play is game are games that have quick save features. That is number one for me. I don't have kids, obviously, but my attention span goes away my i start playing a 30 minute session and focusing for 30 minutes on anything on just that game is actually very hard for me that i want to automatically tab out and do something else that if an overwatch game i don't tab out even when i'm dead because they last for 10 or 15 minutes but when i start getting into a long heroes of the storm match or a super long hearthstone match i'm tabbing out and doing something else and in a single player game it's super important whenever i get bored whenever i i want to quit playing this game or need to quit playing this game for whatever reason that i can quit right then or i'm going to lose a bunch of playtime from just bailing on it or i'm going to resent the game and not go back to it because i remember not having fun and having to slog along to the next check checkpoint just because it made me that i tend to play games with quick save features because of my own attention span rather than my kids yeah i can see that too that's that's definitely like you just feel all the other things you could be doing or just you know yeah. adult life like sometimes you feel like you should be doing something else even though you're trying to relax uh-huh. And like you kind of pull yourself away to check on, I don't know, responsibilities, I guess is the way to put it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So with all of this being said, like what games and series do you still love to play? Because for me, it's like I, I kind of talked about it already. For me, like Mario platformers, I will always pick up the next Mario platformer and I will love it and I will destroy that game in like two days <laughs> because I'm really good at them by now. Um, and then like most of the Mario games in general, like Mario Kart, you know, um, Mario Party, Mario, whatever. Yeah, I usually end up picking them up and having a really good time with them. Besides that, my other big series that I absolutely love is Final Fantasy. I will always play the new Final Fantasy that comes out and make time for it. And then lately, I mean, Overwatch has gotten a ton, like all of my gaming time for the last two weeks, but it's gotten a lot of my just general thinking and like attention because it's not a twitchy shooter. You know, I don't really play team-based shooters that are twitchy anymore. There are a couple characters in Overwatch that if you have those Twitch skills, it will be a big improvement. But there are so many characters that you don't need the Twitch skills for and you can play fantastically. So Overwatch has a lot of my attention because it's a team-based game that's not Twitchy. That you can bail on if you have to or will be done very quickly. Like it hits all of your main points, I think. It hits except all for all of those things I've talked about, yeah. Except for narrative, which we talked about last week, where where they've set up the external narrative to be able to check out so that is still there for you so yeah it pretty much hits everything you care about yep and you know i didn't really hit the fact that i like my narrative in single player games and i like my gameplay in multiplayer games um yes and that's fairly consistent across the board for me if i want a good narrative i want it a single player experience that i can sit down and do on my own time with my own you know quick saves and like all that kind of stuff turn the difficulty to whatever i want all of these things i've talked about um I try to keep that separate from my multiplayer gaming. Like, I don't really need narrative in my multiplayer experiences. Multiplayer should just kind of be about the gameplay. I thought I wanted narrative in my multiplayer experiences. I thought that Star Wars The Old Republic was going to be the best thing in the world for me. And it turns out that it just plays a plays like a single player game where, where other people are running around you as well. And I never read quest text in World of Warcraft or EverQuest unless I was looking for keywords. Nothing like that did I ever care about the the actual narrative and story that was being told outside of just a few minor moments. But I still I cared about the gameplay and in multiplayer games. I'm exactly the same way. I cared about PvP and I care about interacting with other people way more than I care about the story that that per, that particular development team is trying to tell. So like with with all that being said and like all of the things that both of us have said we like and don't like about games now, what about you? Like what are the games that you still play or like really have a special place for you? I'm always going to get the World of Warcraft expansions. I've, you, I don't think it is going to be possible for me until that game goes offline to not get the expansions. I don't have an active subscription right now, but I know when Legion comes out and the pre-release events are going on that I will have an active subscription and I will be playing in the rush of people that are coming back. I will experience all the content, maybe the first rating tier, and then I will abandon ship again because I care about the content and my character but I and the people you know I can interact with and the people I know will be coming back but I don't necessarily care about being there for the next 
two or two years or so waiting on the next expansion, uh, which also goes into, you know, Bioshock and Elder Scrolls are two of the other series that I'm all I'm hooked on now. I will get any Bioshock game and play through it. I will, may have to put it on easy. I may have to I may not be good at it, but I love the way that the Bioshock games tell stories and I love the way they integrate the gameplay with the stories. So just everything about them, I'm sold. I'm hooked and they have a quick save feature that I make use of liberally. And the same thing goes for Elder Scrolls. Whenever I got Skyrim, I've gone back and played some of Oblivion, but Skyrim has sold me on whatever the next Elder Scrolls game is going to be. I'm going to be there on release day doing it because it plays like the kind, even though it is a super long game and I can waste 200 hours in it, I'm probably not going to, but I'm still going to feel fulfilled because of the way that I can play the game that I want to in a world that I legitimately care about. It has quick saves too. Just like Fallout it does and have quick other saves. Elder Scrolls games, those quick saves make a huge world of difference to me. That's why I play it on PC. I don't know if you can do it on the PlayStation or Xbox with quick save, but one of the reasons that I'm going to get I play these on PC is because a lot of them have the F9 or F11 or whichever one it is as quick save. That that has sold me on as a platform. I think it's F5. Is it F5? I don't, I don't know. know. I press one of the buttons and I just go do other things. So Exactly. It's quick save. You have a quick save button. Cool. Well, this was kind of a fun meandering topic, but I feel like we got to talk about a lot of just kind of where we're at with gaming and where we were and where we're going and what we like. So this was a cool topic. Um, it was. Let's let's get into our weekly geekery. Um, if you don't know, weekly geekery is where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. I usually go first. I'm going to let you go right. first. Oh, go, me go first. Um, well, I've got two this week where I've really been... I usually have a hard time on, on picking out what exactly has been going on, but this week I've been thinking a lot about Reddit. I avoided Reddit for a long time because it can be very toxic in certain communities on there. And at your suggestion, I went and found good subreddits with good people in them where they just want to have discussions about things that they love. And... I found a lot in the running and cycling and fitness areas where I and uh, I think lose it as well and just just Overwatch of course at this point and but I love it. I haven't seen a lot of the toxicity and flaming that I didn't like before and trolling so I'm definitely looking at Reddit and trying to become a part of these different smaller communities. And then I've also been listening to the 10% Happier podcast with Dan Harris. I love 10% happier. There is nothing that, that that company, that franchise can put out that I will not be a fan of because if there is one, I don't even know, one property that I can say is responsible for my mental well-being, it's 10% happier. Dan Harris through this introduce it's I think the way he calls it is mindfulness meditation for skeptics where basically he takes the tenets of Buddhism and meditation and mindfulness and applies it without the spirituality and shows you how this is scientifically good for your body. And I downloaded the 10% Happier guided meditation app, and that really helped soothe me and my anxiety and get me through one of the roughest times of my life was being able to turn to this app, sit for 15, 20 minutes and learn how to focus on my breathing, on myself, and really take the time to be 
just to be well, honestly, to help myself be well. So it really helped me. And I discovered this week that there's a 10% happier podcast that I somehow missed. So I've been listening to it rather than Hamilton. It is outside of our network's podcast. It is the only thing I've listened to since I discovered Hamilton. So that should be a very big indication of how good it is. That's cool, though. That's a that's like a rousing endorsement for it. Obviously, I should check that out because I listen to a lot of podcasts and it sounds like something I'd be interested in. I'm going to tangent before I get into my weekly geekery because you talked about Reddit. I would like to give the listeners the same advice I gave you. Reddit is a forum. If you don't know what Reddit is, it is probably the biggest forum on the Internet. Reddit can be toxic. Reddit can be amazing. It is probably my favorite website. It is where I spend the most time when I'm you know, sitting at a computer just online, just kind of browsing, I just go to Reddit generally. Here's the trick to Reddit. It's the biggest forum ever. If you've ever been into a forum, you know how toxic they can get when there's a lot of people there. Make your Reddit account. Like, make one, right? If you don't make a Reddit account, all you are ever going to see are the default subreddits on the homepage. Make your Reddit account unsubscribe from every single one of those default subreddits do not resubscribe to them they will make you miserable like yes. this is the advice i gave to you do not subscribe to the default subreddits that's where so many people are you cannot help but run into toxicity instead go find subreddits that you're interested in for topics you like do a deep dive onto all the topics that you want to hit right don't subscribe to slash r slash gaming subscribe to slash r slash patient gamers for people who are willing to wait for a game to drop in price to finally get around to it or subscribe to the overwatch subreddit because you're really into overwatch right now or if you're like beige subscribe to whatever the cycling one is called you know i have a ton of subreddits that i visit and as long as i keep those default subreddits out of my subscriptions i love the site so if you've heard bad things about reddit and you've never actually tried to make an account and find your own subreddits within it I really suggest it. It can be a fantastic site if you take a little bit of time to make it that way. And I never took that time and I did the deep dive that you suggested. And instead of finding, say, slash fitness, which is full of a lot of dude bro gym rats, uh, a lot of good stuff, too. But there is, there are the dude bro gym rats on there. I found things like slash R slash running lifestyle, which isn't just which is kind of like the patient gamers to to gaming where it's people who are runners and living life and just talking about things like that rather than race reports or nutrition information and things like that, where things that I legitimately care about on there. So yeah, you are absolutely right. Unsubscribe from the defaults, get rid of them and never look back because they're piles of acid that you fall into and burn your face off. Especially politics. Okay. Oh, just don't. I I don't even want to get into it. Um, Mm -mm. (laughs) the (laughs) my my weekly geekery. Um, I've been doing E3 prep for Video Game News Now, which is another podcast on our network. If you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead. It's me every weekday, and I tell you the video game news. I wasn't actually thinking through when I launched the podcast a month before E3 started. (laughs) So now that I'm kind of up and running, now I have to figure out how I'm going to deal with E3. I think I'm actually going to take every single big press conference and make it into its own podcast and just throw them on the feed whenever I get done with them instead of my normal release schedule. E3, if you don't know, it's the biggest gaming news week of the year. It starts, well, it kind of already started because there's tons of leaks coming out this week. But really, it starts on Sunday with the press conferences and the 
major press conferences go Sunday through Tuesday. And then the show runs a couple more days where journalists can get on the show floor. So next week's going to be crazy. If you want to keep up with the video game news, subscribe to Video Game News Now because... I'm going to be dealing with that for you. I'm kind of excited and I'm kind of terrified. Um, I'm I'm very excited about this because I get overwhelmed by E3 to the point where I scroll through Twitter, see the same five things over and over again, and miss a lot of the other stuff that honestly, your podcast, I'm your target audience for this one as well because I will not put in the time and just look at headlines on one of the gaming sites at some point two weeks from now to see what happened at E3. I will not keep up with it. I've never been able to keep up with it as it goes on because it's too hectic. I will help you out. And then the other thing, um, my main weekly geekery this week, I am going to do a run in the Final Fantasy V Four Job Fiesta. And I know I told you about this, but I don't think I told any of the listeners about it. Like I talked about today, I really like Final Fantasy as a series. Final Fantasy V, if you've never played it, it's the first one where they really flesh out a job system. And mm-hmm. the job system is basically when you get to key points in the story, in this game in particular, it's when you get to these crystals in the story, you unlock a new set of jobs and you can equip those to your character. Your characters can learn any job and they can level that job up and gain skills in it. So you play through the game, you mix and match jobs, uh, you find combinations that work for you and cool synergies and you beat the game, right? The four job fiesta is like a charity run where you say, okay, I'm going to participate, I register, and then you play the game. And when you get to the first crystal, you tweet at this Twitter bot that they have set up especially for it. You say, I'm at this crystal, and the bot will give you one job from that crystal, and that is the only one you are allowed to use from that crystal. And you have to equip it to all your characters. And then when you get to the second crystal, you do it again, they'll give you a second job, and now, okay, now you have two jobs that you can mix and match. By the time you get to the fourth crystal, you will have four jobs assigned, you have to have one on each character, and that's how you have to complete the game anyone can join for free it's kind of a cool challenge run the charity part comes in two ways before it starts which is still now we're about four days out as i'm recording this when you guys hear it will be about three days out or so before the event starts people can donate money for for berserker risk and every ten dollars the charity gets means that somebody who has said they are willing to do a run with berserker risk is going to get one Berserker. And Berserkers make runs very difficult, which is why they do this. So the more money people donate, the more difficult it becomes for people who are willing to take that risk. <laughs> and I, What exactly do Berserkers do to make it harder? Berserkers attack all the time, and you have no control of them. Okay. Yeah, they, they are super strong, but you don't actually control a Berserker. A Berserker attacks every single round, and you don't get to control it. Wow, so four Berserkers, my goodness. You could get four Berserkers. It has happened. But, I mean, you're basically just saying, I'm willing to risk a Berserker, and you might get one, depending on how much money people have donated. The other part of the charity comes in, if you really get stuck and you cannot progress further with the jobs that you have, you can go and you can donate a little bit of money to change one of those jobs out. If you're totally roadblocked, and I've talked to people who have done this a bunch of years in a row, they say that you're never truly roadblocked if you put in enough time. But if you want to, you can always go throw a couple bucks at it, and they will let you change one or two or however many of your jobs if you donate to them. So it's a charity run for Child's Play. It's Final Fantasy. It's a lot of the things I love because Child's Play charity is really cool also. So yeah, I'm prepping for that. That starts next week. If any of the listeners out there want to do a run, let me know on Twitter because I will be doing a run and I will gladly talk to you about your run and I will gladly help cheer you on and you yeah, can I was help gonna say, chew the same. I was <laughs> yeah. going to say cheerlead them. Yeah, you'll be their yeah. cheerleader. 
So we'll see how that goes. I'm sure that the four job fiesta will be in my weekly geekery for a couple of weeks running here coming up. So I will keep you guys in the loop and let you know how it goes. And there are people who stream this that you'll see it on Twitch and other platforms, probably YouTube, but you don't have to stream it. It's not a requirement. Uh, I would have loved to have seen your your stream and donated for some berserkers, but uh, you're going to be playing it on your phone, I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm going to play it on the iOS version because... Um, I'll, I'll probably mostly play it on my phone, but then the iOS version also has a cloud sync, so I'm going to uh, also probably play it on my iPad when I actually have time to sit down and do a long session. Otherwise, I'll just be picking away at it on my phone, little bits here and there, like we talked about today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's about it for the week. Um, you can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address, as always, is geek2geekcast at gmail.com, or reach us on Twitter, collectively, at geek2geekcast. If you want to email updates about any... Whoa, this is new. This is a new part to this outro. I did. I added it. I confused you. you. I'm sorry. I just started reading it without even... No, it's yours. You you wrote it. You can read it for the very first time. Okay, sure. And if you guys want to get email updates about any of our network's podcasts, you can sign up at www.geek2geekcast.net and tell us which shows you want updates about, and we will throw them your way whenever podcasts get published and uh, or when. Uh, oh, he and went we off script. Will, he had it written I out did. to a point, and it was perfect. And then he decided to add some more extra thoughts at the end, guys. And then he went way off. I lost my mind. My mouth doesn't work if there aren't words in front of it. So this is perfect. Yes. I love that you just dropped it in without telling me. This is this is a fantastically professional outro. I was I going to tell you almost daily at Green Mushroom. No, it's not even Green Mushroom. It's a Green Mushroom. I know my own site. Oh, I'm not editing any of this out. I blog almost daily at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I also run the Video Game News Now podcast with E3 coming up. Things will get crazy. If you are interested in video game headline news done very quickly, I think my longest episode was six minutes so far. Usually they're about three. Check me out. I'm on all the major services, Video Game News Now. Uh, and I am on Twitter as at Professor Beige. That's Beige with the two E's that I stole from his Green Mushroom. And I host the Geek Fitness Health Hacks podcast, which is new last week. Yay! So we've got three episodes up. I've got three episodes up, I should say. And you can find them on all the normal podcast places. Subscribe. And you can also find them at my blog, geekfitness.net. Uh, and specifically at geekfitness.net slash podcast. We've been Void and Beige with your geek to geek podcast. This is going to be a fun one to edit. That'll do it for this week. See you <laughs> next week, geeks. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>